Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talkin' Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold it to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the South, we refer to it as the Gap Band. My God, this is going to be an absolutely barnstorming finish. Treat these tracks just for the fuel cars. Hell, Ray Charles could drive one of them damn things in his current state. Just listen to 351 work. Green is mine. Nine consecutive top two finishes. What's it mean to tie Jack and Green's mark? Just imagine if all those seconds were wins. Torque and Power. Your motorsport and motoring podcast. G'day everyone out there in the World Wide Web. Welcome to our new automotive podcast called Talkin' Power. If it's got wheels, we have something to say about it. With me is our co-host Simon Gonzo Travellini and I'm Nick DiCembri. How are you Simon? Good mate. Pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me mate. No problems at all. You're the influential person in the Perth drag racing scene, why wouldn't we have you here? I think the only influence I have is a bad influence. I didn't want to say that. I'm, you know me, I'm trying to be diplomatic at the very least. Diplomatic, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Whatever the opposite of diplomatic is, that's mm-hmm. what I would be. <laughs> that is true. No one's disputing that. Speaking of diplomacy, mm. state election. Yeah. Mark McGowan. Mm-hmm. How long do you reckon he's going to be in for? Well, I know you have an opinion on this. <laughs> My personal, I, I personally think he'll go the full term. You reckon? Yeah, yeah. But I know, I know your thoughts. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I know. You know, I'm a bit sus about the whole thing, to be honest. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He's uh, Vic Park. There. Think of it. Now. Ben White. Ben White. That's it. Ben yes. White. He's our Is treasurer. That- is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's oh, a treasurer. Maybe that's the guy. He started off as treasurer and become premier. Yeah, that's the that's the path. Mike Naham would have taken that path as well. <laughs> but, uh, Ned Flanders. <laughs> that guy there. <laughs> <laughs> Ned Flanders. Nick. But who's Homer? <laughs> Colin used to be before he yeah, lost all the weight. Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about myself, Nick. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, actually, you know all about me. but I, I know everything about you. Yeah, you do. You do. But uh, the listeners out there don't. So uh, I come from uh, uh, a long line of motorheads. Uh, Dad uh, was a, a mechanic uh, and a survivor of World War Two. Migrated over here in 1949, started an engineering business. My eldest brother, who's uh, 20 years my senior, won the uh, GM Design Award uh, two years in a row when he was a teenager, still in high school. Went on to um, uh, build limousines, convertibles, kit cars, custom cars, cobra replicas, etc., etc., uh, through his business. Then later worked for uh, uh, Proton Car Company as a as a automotive designer, and then Hindustan. Uh, he's he's retired now. Middle brother is Dante. He owns uh, Sport Vehicles Australia engineering firm, and I own all fast torque converters. And I've been there for about fifteen years now. I started motor racing when I was about fifteen years old uh, in the uh, West Australian Beach Buggy Association WABA. And uh, around, not long after that, around, around the 15-year mark, uh, Stan Kunzich, who was a, a friend of a friend's from school, took myself, uh, Jason Alec and Emiliano to Ravenswood for my first ever drag racing experience. And I still remember to this day handing the cash over and hearing this noise. And I thought, what the hell's that? And I ran up the stairs and Zapier was in the middle of doing one of his famous three-quarter track burnouts and and I said to myself I've got to drive on those things one day I want to drive you know and a door slammer hadn't even been invented yet yeah wild bunch back in those days wasn't it well that car actually ran as an altered yeah ran double B altered um, which everyone spat the dummy about and the rule came in that it had to be a pre-1948 body so effectively banning zap and uh, and when Victor wrote the door slammer rules he wrote the rules in such a manner that um, Zap's car wouldn't be legal for door slammer. So 
yeah, I, I guess after that, I mean, that day my life changed because I didn't care about racing anything other than drag cars from that yeah. point onwards. Yeah. So, um, and you know, yeah, progressed from Super Street. Actually, had a fake driver's license that said I was 18 when I was 17, so so that I could race, and then progressed through all the ranks until finally I got my opportunity to drive a blown door slammer, yep. and um, ran out of money basically, <laughs> <laughs> as you do. It's interesting your experience with your first experience at the drags is kind of similar to mine. I was a little bit older. I was 17. I mean, I haven't participated in the sport as, as far as driving the car down the track, but I remember as a 17-year-old going to Ravenswood as well, and the meet that I went to, there was this guy called John Zapier. Now, you know, a couple of my cousins were kicking around at the drags, and they used to talk about John Zapier. I didn't know much about him. That night, he was racing an American called Wayne Torkelson. Oh, I remember that. In yeah. the uh, T-Bird. In the T-Bird, yellow yeah. thing. Yep. And he yep. absolutely smoked this guy. We thought, this guy's <laughs> coming from the United States. He has to be, the like, you know, pretty good, doesn't he? But Zapier, you know, handed it to him. I think he won. It was like a, you know, a three-race three race format that in, in back in those days. And uh, he won all three races Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was there that night. And I think yeah. you're, you're right. He ran yeah. three from three. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So that was my that was my experience, my first experience with the drags. You know, maybe that's what's missing from the drags now because we used to get John Shelby raced here, yep. won the very first door slammer championship actually. I was I was there for that. Yeah, yep. and uh, you know we had Tordeson, we had um, uh, Scotty Cannon. Yep. You know, maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need some more Americans to come over here and tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Kurt Kurt Coons came as well. You know who I'd get over. Yeah, I know. Stevie Fast. He's, he's, he's on the, he has to be on the top of the list. <laughs> he, he would be. I mean, that guy is is just a legend. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, look, we all start off. You know, I mean, I, I, look, I don't encourage it, right? So any kids that are out there listening to this, I, I never did it when I was young. I never street raced. No, no of course <laughs> not. Not at all. No. But, but, you know, the thought of street racing... Hope you know, Road. Pulling up next to someone at a set of traffic lights or, you know, like in Street Outlaws, that's where it all sort of, you know, yeah. starts and then you, everything progresses from there and eventually you go, oh, this is getting dangerous and you start doing it legitimately. But um, the thing is, it's grudge racing. Yeah. It's like run where you're brung and hope you're brung enough. And Stevie Jackson is the king yeah. of... of um, so, you know... Street Outlaws, like, you know, obviously it's got a huge following, Discovery Channel, etc. But, I mean, you know, Chrome Mod. Really, Chrome Mod. They, they should call that thing Slow Mod. That's yeah. that's what it should be called. I mean, they're, they're a well-funded bunch. They don't believe anything that they say. If you're on Discovery Channel, you're making big bucks. Right? No. It's as simple as that. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so if you show up at a uh, Pro Mod event and you can't qualify, um, and, and Stevie Jackson, he shows up, first NHRA event and top qualifiers. I mean, you know, he is the grudge king. And, yes. and if, if I was going to get anyone over here, he is the man. What do you, th- you think of it that... Actually, before, before you say anything, let's just listen to what he said just after qualifying about his uh, post-race examination. You go number one. You get the full TSA inspection yesterday. Oh my God! Took it right down to the shorts I, on that I one. I told him I felt like I bought a house or a business or something <laughs> over here. I was signing documents and loans. They were staring at my crankshaft bearings and stuff. That's all right. It's good. It takes good. It makes everybody know we're going on a level playing field. But I've never had anybody look at my race car like that. I felt like somebody looking up my old lady's skirt or something. <laughs> Obviously, you know you're pitted a row back from the from the rest of the village over there. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you've already heard the chirping a little bit from from everybody. I told everybody, y'all park me over here uh, in the woods. This race, I'm gonna be over there for it's over with. But I don't care. Chirping don't yeah. bother me. I like it. Chirping, chipping, trash talking, whatever we got yeah. to do is good. It's fairly typical of Stevie, wasn't it, that those sort of comments? <laughs> I mean, we could probably pay 101 comments, from even from that weekend. He's a great guy. I, I, I've actually got a list of people that eventually I want to have on this show. We could do it with Skype, whatever it may be. He's on the top. Oh, mate, he should be on the top. He's a legend. He is, you know, like, uh, I used to look up, and I look, I still John Force is still a legend, oh, yeah. but but you know you look at how uh, politically correct everyone is in that camp. You know, great races, great guy, but and then you got Stevie, 
Mm. Like Stevie is like the old John Force. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He's barnstorming. He he's a, a grudge racer, yeah. and and that is like there's a post race interview where they ask him, uh, you know, how it all went, and it's it's on uh, Competition Plus one of yeah. you know, and uh, he says you know the the pro mod is grudge racing. That's what pro mod started off as. It started off as a quick eight, and then it developed into pro mod. And, and it was about bragging rights, about being quicker than the guy in the other lane. He is the quintessential pro mod racer. Yeah. And um, I am so happy that he's racing in HRA. And he brained him. He is like the John Zapier of pro mod. He he, first meeting in NHRA, he top qualifies. <laughs> I mean, these guys have been doing it for like 20 years, you know. And one of the best crew chiefs in the sport goes and gives the guy a tune-up for first round just so that he's got a better chance of beating Stevie. You know what that tells me? They're all shitting themselves. (laughs) Everyone in that pro mod pit is is thinking, we're going to be made look like idiots. So, yeah, speaking of Stevie Jackson, Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Schumacher... Back in winning form. Back in winning form, yeah. The NHRA it was good to see him back up there. Along with him was also John Force. That oh, was... mate! <laughs> you know there, there are some people that you just put on a pedestal, and uh, you know, love him or hate him, John Force is 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 a one of a kind. He is. You know, yeah. um, it's not just the dominance that he, he used to have years ago, but it's also uh, the showmanship. I mean, yeah. no one gives an interview like John Force. Yeah, no, that's right. Let's listen to his interview from Gainesville. It's, it's an, you know, it was just recently, but I've got to be honest, it's back to the old days of the 80s. This is how he used to talk. Listen, listen, listen to this interview at the Gainesville. Freightliner, all you guys out there, peak. I'm alive out here selling motor oil, and on top of it, advanced auto parts, monster, the list goes on and on. But I'm okay, and that's all that really matters, and we're going to do some damage this year, whether they take us out or not, because we got the heart singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain, God dang it. Singing in the rain. Singing in the rain? <laughs> Who sang? It was Fred Astaire that sang. I think it was. I, thought, I actually prefer the John Force version, to be honest. You might, you might be onto something there. Is he going to do like <laughs> Nicky Webster and do a re-recording, perhaps? <laughs> I tell you what, it wasn't raining in uh, in Melbourne, but uh, oh, how good was it to see Ferrari back in the winner's circle? Ah, oh, look, you know, both you and me, we're we're from Italian descent. We're we're optimistic people, Italians, right? We are optimistic people, but we've been Australianized to a certain extent. You know, I was born here, you were born here, but our parents were born over there, but. The Australian influence has, has washed down into us. That's not a bad thing, but the Italians are kings of optimism. <laughs> they were talking up that car and and uh, Sebastian Vettel from weeks ago. From weeks ago. And they were really, you know, they basically talked themselves into a win. I think, you know, obviously, as you pointed out in our, you know, our, our pre-chat, that the strategy had a lot to do with it. I, I agree. I think Lewis's crew chief really threw that one away, but it, it had a major influence in, in, I guess, the outcome of the race. But that Ferrari is up there, no doubt about it. There, no doubt, Nick. You, you're right. It's a, a vast improvement on uh, last year's or last season's car. Yeah. Um, I, I think the rules are a little bit frustrating how they're limited in, in what changes they can make. Mm. Um, but, yeah, definitely, you know, the strategy's what won it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, you, you just got to wonder, um, you know, what was said in, in the pits after the race? <laughs> what did Hamilton have to say about it? <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> he'd have a weekend he'd probably wants to forget, I would suggest. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. The week before the Grand Prix, mm. there was someone lapping around Malaga in an F40. That would be his dad. Oh, well, his dad's got an F40. I know, I know, I know. I just thought uh, I'd, I might add that because I don't think it's registered. In fact, I don't think it can be registered no. in this country. F40s cannot be registered. That particular one. Apparently, there's one over east that is registered. Okay. This is what a Ferrari connoisseur told me. 
it was really sad because uh, to be honest with you, all jokes aside, I was cheering for him. And, uh, you know, I, I'd really like to see another Australian champion. I think yeah. Weber um, just had a bad run. He was unfortunate. Uh, and, and it's, uh, you know, it'd be great to see Dan, but um, what a horrible start to the season. Yeah, yeah, it was. It certainly was. I mean, he went backwards into that wall during qualifying. I don't know, it's hard to say. I, I think it was just driver error. I, I think he overcooked it into that corner, went backwards, and the car. Look, dare I say, the car wasn't repaired quite right the next day. I don't know. Put yourself in his shoes. This is his, you know, considered his home mm. track. It's a long way from home, but considered his home track. He wants to put on a show. He wants to be as far up the grid as he can be. He's under a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, it's just it's sad what happened. But I don't agree with all the penalties. I mean, I, I, I keep hearing these guys talking about keeping the costs down when you're spending 400 million dollars a season you're really going to be worried about you know an 80 grand transmission or yeah. you know what i mean like it just seems pathetic yeah yeah no i agree i agree uh, the other thing the i mean the one thing that i picked up from from that was you know, i mean a big fan of fernando fernando alonso that is uh, some of his comments after the race, I think he's um, distancing himself from that from the McLaren team to a certain extent, or getting himself ready to uh, possibly disappear next year. We'll just have a listen to what he said. The car obviously is very uncompetitive at the moment, so you know to be on the points was a, a little surprise, and uh, yeah, I had to manage uh, a huge uh, fuel saving as well. So yeah, room for positivity then. Not, not many, not many, you know, I think uh, uh, I feel very well prepared, I feel uh, driving at my best in my career and uh, I'm fighting for one point, so really disappointed. As long as, you know, I'm prepared, I'm ready and I'm driving at the best, it's, it's a problem for the team, not, not for me anymore. So he hasn't mixed his words there, has he, Simon? No, he no, yes. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, flamboyancy, <laughs> did, you, uh, did you like uh, Penske's... Uh, Entrance into the uh, V8 supercar. <laughs> I was awesome. It was awesome. Roland got a bit cranky about the whole thing, didn't he? Is he is he like the Lewis Hamilton of supercars? Does he has well, he got a diamond encrusted? He's British, isn't he? Roland. No, he's Irish. Big difference. Irish. Sorry, Irish. Sorry about that. But you know, Roland, he made. I won't quote it verbatim because I don't have it verbatim but on Fox Sports he said where's the effect that um, he's hoping that Roger Penske's money doesn't have an influence on the outcome of the results <laughs> coming well, from Roland I think that's just a tad hypocritical but it, he may have been misquoted as well. Is Roland suggesting that uh, his money hasn't had an influence on the results? Well that's that's what would lead you to think that wouldn't it but I, I don't know you don't think this may have something to do with the crew chief being poked? Ludo, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think and there's a lot of bad blood about that Ludo going over to, to Penske. But, I mean, let's be honest, that was always going to happen. No one said anything. No one kicked up a fuss when Roland Dane came over. And one of the first, person, one of the first people he got was Campbell Little over to, from, from Stone Brothers at the time. He had a winning strategy there, winning team. You've got Campbell Little. No one, no one kicked up a fuss. Ludo goes over to Penske, and the world ends. But yeah, I know, anyway. I know. Bit of hypocrisy, bit of yeah. hypocrisy. I think uh, all motorsports these days uh, is about money. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I, I, I don't know that uh, his comment was really about the money. I think it was more about losing his uh, crew chief. But you know, that's only my opinion. Um, I will say this it was great to see Ford back on top oh, yeah. and uh, if Penske's going to keep that going on well I'm all for Penske yeah, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're on the Penske band <laughs> it was sad to see the uh, the tyre failures and, and this is the thing at the end of the day you can have the big budget you can have the great crew chief but it's that you know one degree or half a degree of camber and the decision to, to put that in, to make the car faster, but where the tyre is quicker, 
you know, so it just proves that even a top team like that can come unstuck. It's not as if they're now unbeatable because they've got these mega budgets. You know, you need to have every aspect covered. You need to have the money. You need to have the personnel. But you also need to have the luck on the day. Yeah, that's right. You're 100% right. What do you make of the, uh, the, the Gas Monkey Garage versus Street Outlaws challenge? I think it's Discovery Theatrics at its best. It's Craig Pilgrim editing, cutting up. Look, that's what they do. Let, let's be honest. Let's not let's not call us uh, you know, let's call let's not call it something else. It is it is edited extensively to make to look like something else. I can't believe that that car looked that slow. And when I, that car, what I'm talking about is that Dodge Challenger, the 2015 of Gas yeah. Monkeys. Yeah, tuned by Frank Taylor. Uh, arguably the quickest blown door slammer racer in the world. Oh, he's a legend. Five five forty seven, I think, with the Corvette. Yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, I, look, their choice of driver, I mean, pro stock driver. I don't know. I don't think I would have got a pro stock driver. You need a real man to drive one of those cars. You know. <laughs> in Australia, we don't call them pro stock. We call them pro skirt. I didn't want to throw that in. To all our pro stock listeners out there, Simon Gonzo Traveling. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, what I found surprising was the fact that, um, that that car looked terribly slow or out of tune. And I was also surprised by... I mean, Richard Rawlings, I believe, makes is a draw card for Discovery. But he was made to look like a bit of a fool there where he didn't understand reaction time and a whole shot win. So when he on the after the first race, Justin treated him big time, uh, got a whole shot win, Justin. Hang on, let me get this right. So Justin Shearer from Street Outlaws, whole shot, a pro stock driver. Correct. Was it a pro tree or did they have a flashlight? Pro tree. <laughs> Does that pro stock driver still have a job? I've actually listened to Justin Shearer's podcast, and he's explained what he's done there. He'd watched them in the pre, in the testing, and he knew that his crew was directing um, Alex. Alex is his name. Alex Lofman were directing him to try and go in second, bring up the second, go at stage second. Because you know, Justin that, that, would be going in first, that, building up. That's dumb. That's dumb, right? Okay, if I'm in a blown car and I'm racing a turbo car, mm. I'm going to roll in, right? And, like, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not a dog, so I'm, I'm not going to double bulb anyone. But I'm going to roll in, get that second amber. The trans brake's on or the clutch is in, whatever, whichever way they do it. Because at the end of the day, all those cars leave on the two-step, mm. right? something that I don't think too many people were doing until we started doing it, but anyway, yeah. in Australia. Um, the turbo car's got a build boost. It's going to have a bump box in it, mm. right? So why would you want to go in second? There's no Unless you're going to hang them out, use a 20-second rule or something like that, I just can't see the point of it. It's just a dumb strategy. Look, I'm not suggesting that's what uh, Frankie Taylor told Alex to do. It was Justin's belief that's what he was told to do. So he threw a spanner in the works, went straight in, had that thing up on boost, caught uh, young Alex off guard. So anyway, cut a long story short, Justin's got a whole shot win. They go show the time slip to Richard. Richard says, hey, there must be some sort of mistake here. We won. We got the quicker ET, not understanding a whole shot win. And Frankie Taylor was left trying to explain to Richard Rawlings what a whole shot win was. Yeah, I think the lesson here is uh, all those kids out there listening, don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting, and that's why I'm saying I think there's a lot of theatrics. N- Nick, I, I, look, I don't want to cut you off, but you know what's interesting is the fact that his goatee perfectly matches the angle of his V-neck. Oh, that's uh, Murder Nova. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Rollings. Oh, Rollings. Oh, okay. You never noticed that? No, I didn't. No, and then next no. time you watch the show, his, his V-neck yeah. has got the exact same angle as his goatee. That's pretty cool. Wouldn't be easy. Would, <laughs> do you reckon they're tailored V-necks? 
They might be. It could be, yeah. I don't know. But it's, it wouldn't be easy to do. You'd have to get it trimmed every day, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I don't know. Why is it called Gas Monkey anyway? I don't know. No idea. Is he a monkey? Because yeah, well, <laughs> like I don't know. I've watched the show a few times. I'm a bit devoted that Aaron's not on the show anymore. But that's another another point. But he, he looks more like a goose than a monkey to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, I, from all reports, he's a bit of a. He wasn't very complimentary to the producers uh, when they were filming. So I guess there's two sides to every story as well. But I don't know. It came across to me. It came across as almost staged. Oh, no doubt. Justin got down the track quicker. I just found it really strange that that car was that slow and looked. It actually physically looked slow. Was there any ETs? No ETs shown on the screen. There was talk of four thirty and four thirty four ETs, and I think they got. I think they managed to get the car since since the filming. Had a screwblower on it, eh? Yeah, that's like six. You know. 430 so 6.40 6.45 it was the rules from my understanding were under 500 cubic yeah, inches yeah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah. it, it like what I found is whatever the overdrive is on the blower <laughs> that's yeah. how fast it's going to go you know what I mean yeah. you can have a 480 cube motor if you've got a C road or 125 over it's going to run the same as a 521 you're just going to be swinging it to 10.5 10.8 instead yeah. of you know 9.8 10.2 you know yeah. what I mean um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's very sus. Uh, if I had the money, I'd love to call out those guys. Yeah. But I, I mean, let alone the logistics to get to America, um, ten grand for a bet. I, I don't make ten grand in in like six months. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> well, apparently, no money was exchanged. Um, they were disappointed that Richard wasn't driving the car, so they refused to take it. They refused to bet. Excuse me. What the hell was he... What would he drive? Well, the belief was when they entered this agreement that someone from Gas Monkey would drive that car, someone from Midwest Street Cars would drive that car. So the fact that uh, Aaron had resigned from the business um, and he wasn't... And Richard wasn't in a position to drive it, I think Justin took exception to that, saying that he should man up and still... Uh, honor the, the deal. Do you ever do you ever wonder about guys that build these ridiculous cars and then don't drive them? Uh, not not really. No, no. Not, no <laughs> you never no. thought about that. No, not really. <laughs> I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I like being on the start line, as you know. I've been crew chief for a, yeah. a couple of seasons now. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I I'm only doing it because it's a job. You know, yeah. like you show up for work every day. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. But someone like me, I mean, I'd like to have something like that, but I don't think I've got the talent to drive a car like that. So, you know, I'd be one of those guys, I guess, one day. I, I don't know. I think you would probably not go to a class like that. You'd probably yeah. go in, you know, modified or like 12 Super Sedan or Super Street. Yeah. I think you'd be right. You'd be right in the tens. Yeah. <laughs> you'd <be> Just. Yeah, after the race, uh, Justin was uh, pretty determined to uh, rub Richard's nose in it. Uh, I, I thought he was going to start Breaking Bad. Speaking of Breaking Bad, did you uh, did you get a chance to catch the uh, NASCAR incident? I did. How can you... you know what makes me laugh? That that stuff makes the news. You know, if someone breaks a record or wins X amount of wins in NASCAR, uh, you don't you don't hear about it. There's a big blue in the pits. Bang, that's on the news straight away. <laughs> yeah, How could you miss it? If you're going to break bad, like... Uh, what's his name? Never watched the show. So. Oh, Kyle Bush, you mean? Yeah. Oh. If you're going to break bad like Kyle Bush, you know, you don't want to be walking away bleeding. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like, you know... And Joe Logano, like, I mean, it didn't really even hit him. No. I, I think if you, if you look at the clip, the guy on the right-hand side... <laughs> I would have thought those guys have moved on to, to a bit more civilised conversations. This is them from seven years ago when they're on the same team. Um, they hosted a WWE Raw event. Let's just listen to them here. Big Show, I apologise. Joey, he's young and dumb. Oh. All right. 
doesn't know much about championships. Well, what we're here for is to win a championship. And Joey, we're in the city of Buffalo, man. <laughs> a city of a city that hasn't made it to the playoffs since Hulkamania. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're gonna be singing Oh Canada. <laughs> anyway, that was uh, quite entertaining, I guess, for the people of Buffalo. Um, <laughs> can can you see Formula One going down this road? No, no, not in a pink fit. Not in a pink <laughs> fit. No. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I sincerely hope not. Um, I I got to be honest with you, uh, Chase. If you're uh, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you know maybe you should stick these guys in a Formula One team. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know what? The viewership would certainly go up. You know, <laughs> you know I got some advice for Kyle Busch. If you're going to go and pick a fight, you want to come out of it like not second best. <laughs> you know. You look like a bit of a dick going in there, picking a fight with him, and then leaving bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what do I think of it, mate? As far as I'm concerned, you know, it was a racing incident. I don't think. I think they'll. I, you know, look. I've heard the NASCAR guys say, "Oh, they were both at fault." I don't know. I think Joe Logano was just driving hard that yeah. that uh, you know final lap or leading up to the final laps of the race, closing laps, and uh, like. We uh, we discussed earlier, yeah. you know, it, the arrow got a bit fuddled up and yeah. it moved up. Uh, it didn't look like a deliberate. Uh, it looked like he turned in, you know, which would tell me as a driver that he's felt the car get loose yeah. and he's trying to correct it. Maybe he should have lifted. Maybe he could have avoided the crash if he lifted. But you know, his job is to win, yeah. and uh, lifting I don't think is an option. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, you know what surprised me was the no penalty. Yeah. All right. So, do you remember when Brett Stewart drove into that guy's car? I do. Yes. Okay. He got. What was it? A year or a year yeah, and a half? Yeah. I thought it was one year. Yeah. But whatever. Suspension. That was the minimum anyway. It might have even been more. You could be right. He he got that suspension through Cams. Yeah. Right. And anyone that was affiliated with Cams. So the rally, the drags, etc., had to ban him for a year or so. So he missed out. I mean, it was good for me because I got to drive his car, but he missed out on racing. I, I thought it was longer than a year, but anyway, however long be. it was. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the thing. Like, can you take NASCAR seriously, or should we be looking at NASCAR like the WWE? Mm. You know, is, is are the races real? Is it all staged? <laughs> well, we're six races in. We've had five different winners in NASCAR this year. Okay. Six races were five. Was it real blood? Speaking of NASCAR, while we're on it, new rules. I mean, it's still too early to say whether they're working. I mean, if you listen to a NASCAR fan and the people involved in NASCAR, they reckon it's the greatest thing sliced cheese. Um, the stages, so they're dividing the race up into basically three thirds, I guess. So there's stage one, the winner of stage one gets X amount of points, and one to 10 get a, a set amount of points. Then stage two, same thing. And then after stage two, uh, there's another stage, and that's the winner of the race. Rather than me explain, I'll, I'll just listen to the rules here. This is a simplified version. Each race will feature three stages. The length of each stage depends on the track, but one thing remains consistent all season. A stage win could be the difference between winning or losing a championship. Championship points will be awarded to each of the top 10 finishers of the stage. And to the stage winner, if they make the playoffs, an additional bonus point will be tacked on for the first three rounds. A caution flag will fly to separate each stage, setting up the next stage. For stage two, the same rules apply, and the goal remains the same, finish first. The same championship points are applied to the top 10 finishers and a playoff bonus point will go to the stage winner. When the checkered flag flies, the race is over and championship points will be awarded to all race vehicles. And to the winner goes the biggest prize, a spot in the playoffs and five postseason bonus points that will be carried through the round of eight. Nick, uh, I don't like any of these rule changes. No? No, no. I don't like any of this playoffs bullshit. Playoffs. Got, That's what they're called now. The yeah. Playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
the, the way I see it is, if your team's good enough to dominate, mm. you deserve that championship. And if that championship gets decided halfway through the season, so be it. Yeah. It's time for everyone else to step up. They've done it in the NHRA, NASCAR. You know, it's not a. We're not a football team. It's a motor racing team. You know what I mean? And it's unfair that if you dominate in the first half of the season and then you have bad luck in the second half, that your points lead is diminished. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. No, I mean, I think even race wins, from what I understand, get you a position into the playoffs as well. And I'm, I'm not sold on that yet. So, but. Anyway, time will tell on that one. I don't. I don't. So, wanna... so what about the big races? Yeah, same thing. Same They're going to divide them up into three. Yeah, Daytona so, was the same. Yeah. Daytona one fifty. Yeah, 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 pretty much. <laughs> That's how they ran it. So, even Daytona, Talladega, all of them, the whole, the whole. Are life. the drivers getting tired? Is that what it is? No, I think that and one. Don't need, they need a, like a cuddle and a pat in the back. I know Kyle <laughs> Busch needed one after that brawl. He certainly needs one. <laughs> But yeah, look, I mean, the, the philosophy is that basically you're making the parts of the race exciting. So as we close to an end of a stage one, there's a bit of a race happening within a race. I don't know. I mean, Dale Earnhardt Jr. had some comments on it. He, he said, if I'm back in 18th and I'm coming up to the end of stage one, I'm just cruising. And he's not going to, you know, do anything outrageous. But if he's 11th, he might have a crack at trying to get into 10th to get that one point. So, I don't know. There's there's different views. I, I think time will tell on that one. I'll tell you what. All I've got to say is there is no way in the world they could have made... There's a movie Tom Cruise was <laughs> Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. There is no way in the world they could have made that Days of Thunder comeback <laughs> under these new rules. <laughs> Just wouldn't happen. No, that's right. No, I'm dead against it, mate. No, fair enough. I know this isn't on the run sheet, but I'll just throw it in anywhere. This is my favourite car. I love it. I saw the Moitz car. Uh, got back on the track on the weekend. Don't, didn't see any numbers, but I saw it was back back out and about. The this old, is the, the, black, the black one? The black one. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like that's been all repaired and it's up and running. So. You know, just... Just on the subject of that, you know me, I'm a, I like to spoil. I like to rain on people's parade. <laughs> that's that's my thing. I don't know where this is going. This is not on the run show. <laughs> no, I, I, look, the, the world record, I don't know if you heard, it's been reset. Yep. Uh, the um, Ikanu boys, mm. Shane Teen, Shane, Shane Tuckerberg, Tuna, awesome guy. Um, I, I think that that's sort of the yardstick that you got to measure with now yeah you know and you know I, I get a bit frustrated so this is another case of checkbook racing right those guys have got unlimited funds mm. and you know you might like that car to me it looks like someone ran over it with a steamroller oh, no, <laughs> it just it doesn't really look like a Mustang anymore yeah. I'm not sure what it is I think it may be some sort of UFO or something like that but anyway Nonetheless, you would think with the money that they've thrown at that and the people that they've got around them um, that, you know, it would be in the 40s. I would have thought so, you know, because those guys in Bahrain, they sort of just roll it out when they need to reset the record. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they need to step away and get Shane to tune it. Maybe that's the, <laughs> that's the guy. I'm kind of regretting bringing that up. You are? I'm kind of regretting bringing that one up. <laughs> I, look, you know, it's like their Outlaw 10.5 car, the world record holder. Yeah. Under whose rules did it set the record? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. You know, it, it makes me laugh that radial cars can go quicker. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Speaking of out-of-control radial cars, it's my second favourite car, second to the Moitz car. Andrew Lepper's 2015 Corvette, wrecked. Got a bit of air underneath it. Daniel Farris at Tulsa on the weekend in a radial race. As we know, those cars don't run wheelie bars. Got a bit of air underneath it, kept his foot into it, up she went. Fortunately, came down on all four, but it looked pretty 
looked pretty bad when she landed. Very reminiscent of the shadow incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the shadow, it flipped. It's kind of flipped on its side. Uh, Daniel was lucky he went back on all four wheels, but yeah, fairly so That's a turbo car, yeah? Yeah, twin turbo. That's yeah. an interesting story about that car. Andrew Leper actually purchased that Corvette brand new out of the dealership, took his wife out for dinner one night with it, and then went straight to the race shop the next day with it and got stripped and got built into this radial versus the world car. You'd expect a turbo fag to do something like that. <laughs> Where do we go from there? <laughs> Look, I Nick, you know, I've raced pretty much everything other than nitro cars, you know. Yeah. Um, funny cars, door slammers, even motorbikes. And uh, turbo cars are just gay. I'm sorry. I don't, I, you know, I think hairdressers should probably be racing turbo cars. Okay, to all our turbo listeners. <laughs> no, no, this is the deal, right? Okay, so you and I pull up at a set of traffic lights. Yep. And not that we've ever done this, right? No, no we wouldn't condone that. <laughs> we pull up at a set of lights, right? You're in a, a, a naturally aspirated car, mm. a nitrous car, a blown car, right? Yep. Um, you know, the lights go green, right? You're out of there, okay? Mm. Where have you seen a guy at a set of traffic lights with a bump box? <laughs> what does a turbo car do when you pull up next to him at the lights? Does he go, hang on a sec, mate, I'm just building boost. It's like watching an old computer load a program, you know? <laughs> loading, loading. Oh, look, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of the turbo cars, but I, I see their place. I see their place in drag racing. But I, I hear what you're saying as well. I, I, if I ever had to build a car, no doubt I'd go blowing too. But I, I, I am, I am sort of open to turbo cars as well I, I um I would like all the turbo listeners out there to do a lap in a blown car just drive one just drive it. and after you drive one I, I won't have to talk to you about it anymore because those turbos will be on eBay <laughs> speaking of turbo cars BMW has just released a, a new M4 is it no, it's their GT4 spec car, yes. GT4, and that's yeah. a twin turbo? Twin turbo six-cylinder car, that's correct, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Nick, just on the subject of the GT4, yep. uh, did you know that BMW had a crack at uh, GT racing with the old E46? You know I'm an E46 fan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I didn't know. No, no, they did, they did. And they, they uh, obviously, they're up against the Porsche, yep. right? And the um, the inline six uh, couldn't cut the mustard, so they developed a four liter V eight um, to put in the E forty six, and it won of that series that it ran in. I think there was uh, ten races. You'd have to check this out just to, to confirm yeah. the facts. I think it won seven. Yeah, right. So it's like the precursor to the next model yeah. M three. Um, so I just thought I'd throw that in because uh, the, the the M4 has gone back to the uh, the twin turbo six. Yeah. Now, now on the the one series, you know a little bit about the one series. No, no. I, I mate, that car, right? That is like for my daily driver. That is that is a dream car for me. I'm, I can't remember if they're three or three and a half liter twin turbo inline six, mm. right? The rumor is that the one M or the the one series M, yep. um, they had to turn the wick down on it because it was quicker than the M3. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And think about it: you got a twin turbo, three, three and a half liter, whatever it is, in a really light, small car. Yeah. A cool package. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so to tell us about the GT4. Well, look, I just they released this week some some interior shots. There, there was no exterior shots, just some interior shots. You know, obviously carbon fibre splattered right throughout the interior, the shifter, and it was, it was quite uh, quite specky. So that's just come out this week. That's due. All they're saying is is later in the year. So there's no there's no there's no further details. But I just thought that was interesting. Come out this week. Well, what do you think about the whole full series concept? GT4, you mean? No, no, just in general because they've got the the. Uh, you know, like traditionally, 
BMW had the three series, yep. the five series, and the seven series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now the one series, like I said, I like them. I think they're yep. a cool deal. The four, it's kind of like, did you need a four? What <laughs> 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 did they? So Nick, as you know, I'm a bit of a two wheel fan as well as a four wheel fan, and the MotoGP season has started. And uh, because I'm an old fogey, I'm always going to be backing Mr. Rossi, the doctor. The doctor. Good to see him coming in third. Yeah, he came in third. I saw that. So um, I just uh, I know I know you're not a big fan of the, the two wheel brigade, but um, you know I've raced. Don't uh, hold that against me, listeners, please. <laughs> <laughs> I've raced, uh, you know, two wheels and four wheels, both in line and around the track. Yeah. And um, I think, in my opinion, uh, MotoGP or, or motorcycle racing in general is the purest form of motorsport because the driver's skill, the rider's skills, I should say, rider's skills, um, you know, look, obviously you need to be someone special, as we've discussed, to, yeah. to run Formula One. Like, I, I, I don't take anything away from those guys, but when you're strapped onto a missile when you're not even strapped you're holding on for dear life mm. it takes a special kind of person to, to do that and um, to see how efficient everything is in the MotoGP been lucky enough to go to Phillip Island when Casey Stoner was racing yep. and it was actually the year that he came out on the Ducati painted up in the Australian flag and that guy there was a freak because mm. so many people tried to ride that bike and all they did was stack it he yeah. got on there and just won races you know amazing guy and uh, I, I feel myself privileged to have been there uh, with a couple of old school, schoolmates. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Frank and, and Steve and, and Mick. Yep. Um, to, to have witnessed that. But the thing is, they pack everything up into this, like, tiny airframe and they stack all of them together and load them onto the plane. And it just, it's amazing that you can run at that level. I mean, let's face it, they are... The MotoGP guys are the two-wheeled equivalent of Formula One. Yeah, it's as simple are. as that, yeah. right? Uh, and to run at that level, I mean, you know yourself. We've discussed it earlier. Four hundred million dollar budgets. Yeah, you know, and it, you know that's why I think it's a joke. They have these dumb rules mm. about you know how many transmissions you can run, etc. Penalties and blah blah blah. Um, the MotoGP guys can do it at, at not a tenth but at a hundredth <laughs> of, of the cost yeah. you know and I'll tell you what every bit of the every bit as exciting as the Formula 1 if not more so and the riders themselves at Phillip Island the amount of riders that I ran into on, again obviously you're on an island yeah. right restaurants etc um, the nicest people you'll ever meet yeah, okay. and, and the other thing is they're cute because they're tiny yeah. they're like midgets I don't know if you've ever met them. I reckon they all weigh around 40 kilos, somewhere yeah. around there. And uh, I don't think I met any that was over five foot. But so, so I'm not that tall, but so my, my weight might stop me from being a MotoGP. Maybe. Runner. Maybe. Yeah. You'd probably have to drop a few, maybe give a few donuts and mists or something. So if I went in at a dollar five, I couldn't ride a MotoGP? No, 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 no. There's a shock. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, the season's kicked off. Um, Vinales took yeah. out the win for Yamaha, right? Uh, new ride for him this season. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good to see Yamaha back on top. Mm. Um, obviously, everyone knows I'm a Suzuki fan, but nonetheless. <laughs> what about the Dukes? Oh, you know me. I'm Italian. It's like yeah. Ferrari. It's no different to the Formula One. You know, we always want to see the Ducati. That's why when Stoner was racing, it was the best. It was, wasn't Had it? Had an Australian yeah. riding an Italian bike. I mean, what more could you ask for? Yeah. It'd be like Mark Webber driving a Ferrari and winning the the uh, uh, Formula One championship. Yeah. But what's even better than that is if we can get Daniel into a Ferrari. Oh, know? mate, that Imagine would be that. the ultimate. Daniel Ricciardo driving a Ferrari, winning Not the Formula One World Championship. Kid from Duncraig. Let's not. Let's be honest with you. Duncraig's part of Belcatter anyway, <laughs> or, or the city of Stirling at the at the very least. Let, let's we'll claim that as you know Belcatter Stirling in a Ferrari winning the championship. Let's put it out there. I'll, t I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Can you imagine 
Sterling on the night of that, that championship oh, that, win. That would be amazing. <laughs> we look forward to it, Daniel. I don't know, for all of you out there that have never heard of Sterling, it is the WOG capital of Western Australia. No ifs, no buts. I mean, people talk about Balcata and Fremantle. Fremantle gets a, a mention every now and then. But, mate, Sterling, that's where it's at. Hoon capital of Western Australia, apparently. Sterling is. I thought it was Balcata. Oh, it might have been Balcata, actually. <laughs> it might have been Balcata. It was definitely Balcata. This is where we're recording this podcast in Balcata. We are. We're, we're coming to you live from the Hoon capital of Australia. We want to talk about An- Andra, where we're at with Andra at the moment. I read... What a, what a, I mean, I know you're not his biggest fan. Can I say that? <laughs> Robin Judd. Robin Judd. I say it with a little bit of sadness that he's resigned from the, from the board. Oh, it worries me more than anything else because yeah. you know what's he up to? Um, you know, uh, Andrew's in a bad way. Let's 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 put all the cards down and, and, and tell it how it is. I'm not saying that the IHRA is in a good way because I think they're in worse shape than Andrew, but. Uh, you know, I'm going to say it. A lot of people aren't going to like hearing this. We need Mel Bully back. That guy did more in three years than what the sport had achieved in 40 years. You know, he was just an incredible asset. And it's sad that more people didn't rally behind him and support him. And, you know, I know that there's people that are going to be offended by my comments. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff happened in Adelaide and... You know, they're guys that I have a lot of respect to, uh, for too, but I just think Mal was taking the sport in the right direction. Uh, now, with the Motorplex, there's a lot of talk that it may be bought by uh, an outfit in Queensland that own another motorsport park, but uh, that, that's uh, unconfirmed at this stage. Uh, what worries me a little bit about that is that uh, we probably won't end up with uh, IHRA or Andra or CAMS, or, you know, God knows, um, God knows what will happen. I just hope that uh, we keep drag racing going in um, in Western Australia, and and uh, hopefully we can get it back to a national sport. I mean, at one stage we had 32 tracks. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, it'd be great to see that happening, you know, like it, it was in the 80s. Um, it's still an incredible sport. For anyone that hasn't seen it, you should go down there and watch the Door Slammers or Top Alcohol or, or uh, Top Fuel uh, because it is very much a sport that you need to be there to feel the power. And, you know, uh, the V8 supercars are great. But most of the guys that race, their tow cars have got more power than the V8 supercars. <laughs> and there's nothing super about those cars. You look at top door slammers, top fuel, top alcohol, they've got superchargers. There is something super about them. Um, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm passionate about it, so I'm going to be biased. But I suggest you get down there and watch it yourself. I'll tell you what, I went to, at the start of the year, I went to the Outlaw Funny Car meet as well, and it was shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. You know, you know, I hate those things. I love them. them. (laughs) Look, the way I see it is, um, we should be focusing on the now, not the past. Yeah, definitely. Now, as far as a budget deal, uh, you know, they put on a show, Jim Reed, uh, sorry, uh, Graham Cowan, um, I don't know how I could confuse those two, but <laughs> Graham Cowan puts on a great show, the wheel standers, etc. But I think it devalues the sport because at the end of the day, the top alcohol funny cars are quicker. <laughs> so when you look at it that way, you go, well, you know, well, what are these? You know, I, I think they're more of a, like me personally, I'd have them at a daytime event. I'd run the same rules as America mm. so that you've got comparison with the best in the world and what we're doing. Having bigger fuel pumps and allowing this and allowing that so that we're quicker is, you know, really at the end of the day, it's cheating. Yeah. Um, and running them at night so you can see the head of flames, it kind of devalues the, the real cars. But anyway, it is what it is. I think that now that they're going slightly quicker than Zap, 
you know. <laughs> I knew you were going to throw Actually, it have they actually quick. gone quicker? They've gone to 650 yet? Uh, uh, 560, yeah, I think. I know they've gone 60. I don't know if they've gone to 50. I don't know. It is, it is a bit of a yeah. joke, really, when you look at it that way, yeah. right? They're on nitro. They've got 500 cubic inch motors. Zaps is 511, whatever. Yeah. Saps is twenty seven hundred pounds. Yeah. Right? That's that's after it's done the race. So on the start line it's gonna be like twenty seven forty or something. Yeah. And, you know, those nitro cars, they they can't weigh more than twenty two, twenty three hundred pounds. Yeah. The, the only thing I say about those nitro cars is for for the outsider, like the guy that lives next door to me, my mates that aren't into cars, to come down to that meet, it's really good to see the flames. Um they're fairly competitive against each other. Yes, I, I know what you were saying uh, compared to a door slammer or, you know... The, the I, I think it's it's a good show, right? But let's not call it drag racing. Yeah. It is a show. It's a what I would refer to as a zoo act. Yep. Okay? And it's cool in that respect, but I'm a drag racer and I can't take it seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's You know what it's exactly the same as? Those stupid trucks they race at the V8 supercars. Oh, the yeah, stadium yeah. trucks. They're yeah. meant to be on dirt. Yeah. Like, they're not <laughs> fast. They're, they look clumsy and stupid. They remind me of those remote control cars we had as kids. Yeah, the Traxxas. The Traxxas. <laughs> now, fair enough. No, that's... Look, I, I, I hear where you're coming from. That's, uh, that's what this show is all about. Uh, a balanced view. I, I think... Um, if we used those guys to promote our sport to get more yeah. people down there, then I'm all for it. Uh, but what we're starting to see is we're seeing the sport thin out a little bit. So the guys that have spent, you know, 200 grand, 300 grand, whatever, to build their cars, they're going, oh, well, you know, I need to get some coverage for sponsors. So we have this weird three-round format. and We have mm. these conciliation, conciliation rounds. Yeah. And... I don't agree with any of that. Drag racing is an elimination sport. Mm. You either go hard, win, or you go home. And that's how it should be. The fact that we you know, keep running the cars over and over, it makes it look as though we haven't got many cars. Yeah. You take Door Slammer. When I was racing, there was 22 cars qualifying for eight spots. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? It... it there was an argument put forward by Murray O'Connor that we shouldn't allow 16-car fields back then because we'd be thinning the herd in, in terms of performance. And at the time, I was always qualifying around 10th. So I wanted a 16-car field so I'd get to yeah. race in the main show. But in retrospect, I understand what he's saying because if you've got guys like Zap that are capable of going 560s, you don't want him racing someone that can go like 6-1 or 6-2. Yeah. You know, you want him up against another car that's at least going 580. Yeah. You know, so there is the, the chance that Zap might be a bit slow on the light or, you know, and, and he can be beaten. But, you know, anyway, that's just my opinion. I'm, I'm, like no. I said, it's a passionate subject. So. Yeah. On that note, Simon, I think we'll call the call this show. So thanks for joining us. Um, you'll be a regular fixture here, I hope. Mate, it's a pleasure, and I hope I hope to be. Yep. Uh, that is that you know, providing I don't get sued by anyone or. Yeah, I might have to do a bit of creative editing. <laughs> Assassination attempts or anything like that. <laughs> you can find us at iTunes, uh, Podbean, Stitcher. Like us on Facebook. Uh, go to our website as well. Uh, www.talkandpower. That's n dot net. Talk power dot net. Inst we have an Instagram page as well, so go there and see us. Thanks for joining us, and leave us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment on the Facebook page. Let us know what you think. Uh, if you want us to change things around, talk about other things, talk more about something in particular, just let us know. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Nick. All right. Take care. See ya.
talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.